welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Lindsay. I'm Ron. We're reviewing He's Just Not That Into You, starring Jennifer Goodwin, Justin Long, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Aniston, Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Connolly, Kevin Connolly, not related, Bradley Cooper, Scarlett Johansson, and Chris Christopherson. Directed by Ken Quapas, based on the self-improvement book written by Greg Bernard and Liz Kulo. Released in 2009 on a $40 million budget, grossed $128 million at the box office. Those authors also big writers and part of Sex in the City. And why are we doing this? Well, it's Valentine's Day. And I felt like, you know, it was time for Filmstrip to return to our rom-com roots. Because if you go back in the archives and go to episode five, you'll see a string of rom-coms that Anna and I did together. Pretty Woman, While You Were Sleeping, Runaway Bride, and I think Sex in the City were the, the four pack there. And so it's always been something we've done, but we, you know, we've done a lot of them through the years. I mean, we we would return to that genre here and there. You know, I mentioned Pretty Woman before we did that. We, you know, we did Runaway Bride. We, we, you know, we came back around and we we thought about doing Sex in the City too, but neither of us liked it, so we ended up not doing that. We ended up going with something else. But we did some great rom coms like you know My Bloody Valentine, Alien Resurrection. I mean, we done the the romance movie so uh it it was time to get back to that um so i wanted to pitch it to you two just to start with sort of just thoughts on the genre in general of of rom-coms is it something that you've watched a lot of you visit often is it still there for you i wouldn't say i visit it often i have my favorites that i think can be considered rom-coms about a boy with hugh grant is still one of Mm -hmm. my all-time favorites most most hugh grant rom-com movies I generally like and all of the ones that you mentioned pretty woman you've got mail you know all the yeah. all that stuff I've seen it I think I have to be in a special mood for it but tis the season with Valentine's Day mm-hmm. you know right right upon us all right Ron I am not exactly Dr. Rom-com it's not a genre that I'm a huge <laughs> A huge mark for. <laughs> I, I mean, I like the ones that everybody likes, like when Harry met Sally. You don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. I like the the more <laughs> I like the ones that are more calm than Rom. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I I'm willing to give anything a try at least once. And this movie had so many people that I really like in it. I was like, all right, cool. I'll just I'll take I'll join in. We'll give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, this was also in the string, uh, and it's still going on, of the ensemble movie, the dramedy, if you will. Let's get a bunch of people together, and we'll loosely string their story together over New Year's Eve or Valentine's Day. Yeah, how was how was Gary Marshall not involved with this? I thought he was. Yeah, I really thought he was. And when I was was looking at the credits, and this is the first time I really paid attention to him, I was like, oh, this isn't Gary Marshall at all. This is the Sex and the City people and like one of their friends who also directed, you know, Big Bird on the Loose from Sesame Street, which I loved as a kid. It's um, find that bird and it's wonderful. It, it holds thank up you. really well. <laughs> yes, it does. You know what? I would agree. That's a, that's a good one. But he did. Uh, he's done some other things, too. He's still working. And so I... Knowing now, and I didn't know it before, but knowing that the Sex and the City writers had some say in this, would would really opened up the movie because I've seen this before. I know Rachel and I rented it back in the day, and then I've just seen it. You know, it would float around on TBS or something just here and there. I haven't sat down to watch it on purpose in years, and so when we. Lindsay, this was your idea, so I, I have to know where that. I came was like, from. "Don't blame me." I'm just saying, you you are the one that said, "Hey, we should do this," and I said, "Okay, it's time to get back to the rom com yeah. roots." Sure, yeah. But why this one? <laughs> you know, that's one of these things where I'm just thinking through. I still have. I'm definitely one of those people. I still have hundreds of DVDs and Blu-rays, like the actual discs, and. I'm going through my mental Rolodex of what DVDs and and Blu-rays I have. And that is one that I've had since the movie pretty much came out. And 
just kind of rattled it off. Like that's a movie. And I remember, I remember suggesting it in various situations in the past and everyone was always like, eh, I don't really like that movie. And, you know, I went through a phase where I refused to rent movies. I only bought them. And so this was, I think one of those that, uh, that I, that I bought just right now, right off the bat. Got it when Blockbuster was closing down or something uh, it like probably that. probably a $7 Walmart find, yeah. <laughs> if I'm yeah. being yeah, honest. Yeah, but... <laughs> that $5 bin is hard, was hard to resist. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it's a cute, cutesy little, albeit long, movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ron, what about you? Any background with this one? I have absolutely zero background with this movie. Um, I have never seen it. I don't really remember people talking about it that much. And it, I, for whatever reason, it just zoomed right over my head the year it came out. I, I presume uh, it was because I was doing other things and watching other things and doing stuff for Den of Geek or whatever. But yeah, uh, no, absolutely zero background with it other than to say I watched one episode of Entourage. There, there you go. <laughs> it, it is kind of in that same vein of things. There's well, a little it's bit Kevin of Connolly, you know, Connolly, little, yeah, the Hobbit man. So. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, for a while I did confuse him and Sean Astin with each other, which I shouldn't do because Sean Astin's had a longer career, I think. But. You know what, though? They look so, so much alike. They, they really, really do. do. I think Sean Astin's a little uh Well, uh, he did. Stockier. He filled out a lot for his role of Bilbo. Or not right. Bilbo, Pfft, Samwise. Samwise. What am I talking about? But say you're the Lord of the Rings. I know. Uh, I was like, they're gonna take my, they're gonna take my fangirl card away from me. <laughs> they're gonna take your ring away and throw it into the fires of Mount Doom. No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> your precious is gone. Uh, sp- <laughs> speaking of precious, though, this movie stars though um, Jennifer Goodwin who I know from several turns like this, she's been in a lot. So she's done some movies with Kate Hudson and other things like that. And I kind of feel like for a long time, they were trying to make her the next girl next door thing. And then she just ended up doing big love and which was, she was really good on, but I, I don't know. She just never, I don't know. If she ever totally, you know, massively hit. I'm sure she's quite successful. She's done a lot of movies and TV, but I don't know that she ever attained the Jennifer Aniston, you know, all that stuff. She didn't, but I don't know if anyone's attained Jennifer Aniston except Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. That's a really good point. But no, yeah, I remember when they were actively trying to make her a thing and um, it, it didn't really take, but she was incredible on big love. If you haven't watched it recently or at all, Uh, Mm -hmm. I I would a hundred percent recommend that. Um, Some just wonderful work, especially about Bill Paxton, Chloe Sevigny, Gene Triplehorn. It's just like a murderous row of people. And that was my first exposure yeah. to her. And then after that, I was like, oh, I like this girl. I will watch her and other things. And I I followed her to a couple of the rom-com things, but like, I didn't bother with uh, Grimm, the show she was on, where she was Snow White, yeah. question mark. Uh, it was something about fairy tales. I, I didn't pay much attention to it. Once, I think. Or is that right? Yeah. Once upon a time was that I one? I think that's what. There were yeah. like a couple that were dueling at one time. Grim was on Fox show. and once was on NBC, and she was on the one on NBC, mm-hmm. which is how you know she made way more money. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. She she got paid a lot more for that. But I'm I'm with you. She's great on Big Love, but I, you know all the rom com things I've seen her in, I'm just kind of like. Eh. It's fine. I mean, I happen to like the Something Borrowed movie just as, a, as an aside because it's so twisted. It's not what you expect. It's very you're asked to side with the woman who steals her best friend's man. You know, and that's a hard sell. Uh, but the way it's done, it mostly works. Just to do a side review of that, but um, maybe it's also because Kate Hudson's the person she's stealing him from, and I just don't like Kate Hudson. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, just not my thing. So um, she was likable in exactly one movie. <laughs> that's probably true so i yeah i'm not a i'm not a big kate hudson fan but this movie though i mean it made a lot of money 
but let's be honest, it got dropped at the end of January, right before Valentine's Day. The production company knew what they were doing. <laughs> They're like, look, this, this is, you know, it's either Oscar Wasteland or just whatever, you know, do Ghost Rider, drop it, whatever, you know, whatever junk we've got. And the movie that's going to bring the dates out, you know, it's definitely a date movie. Though I got to say, it's, I mean, when I saw this in 2009 or whenever it got released on DVD later that year and stuff, I was in my early thirties, you know, and it hits a little different in your forties than it does in your thirties. Hits a little different in your latter half of the thirties than it does in your early half of the twenties as well. I think when I first saw it, because I did see it the year it came out and it wasn't in the theaters or anything. I remember liking it and thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a good movie. Do, 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 do. But you don't really you're not familiar with all the situations. And now, however many years, 13, 14 years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know every single one of these situations. If not mm-hmm. personally, I've seen people go through it. I've had these conversations or I've heard these conversations. And it's like this was this was really real. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> it was. It was interesting to watch and then also to watch it from, you know, this perspective of being on the outside and seeing everything unfold in front of you. Incredibly infuriating at so many different moments. Right. We, we'll, we'll have to get into it as we, as we talk about it. But, uh, you know, I think I joked with the two of you in our text thread that this might be the whitest movie ever made. Like it, it even has the two black comedians in it, but still, it's like mm, that's, a, that's not that didn't cut it. I mean, and I, I don't, I didn't need him to hit a quote. I'm not banging him for it. It's just like the most upper class white bread thirty somethings <laughs> you could come up with yeah. since thirty something. Um, I mean, there were khaki cargo shorts involved, cargo pants, khaki cargo pants involved yes yes doesn't get much whiter than that a mysterious job you know this yeah (laughs) there's there's lots of things we'll talk about all the people in it but uh yeah but the baltimore setting that's a neat thing because they specifically said they didn't want to do new york or la even though they shot most of this in la Uh, they did shoot a lot of it in baltimore and they did that specifically because they wanted something that wasn't the usual place where all these movies happen and i'll give them credit for that i mean i haven't spent a ton of time around baltimore Lindsay, you're not that far from it you spent some time there i don't know if ron Mm -hmm. if you have but it's a different setting for this kind of movie yeah, it works out really well. It's not that dissimilar from LA or New York because you have a lot of options when it comes to the suburbs. You have the water right there, which played into Ben Affleck's character of having a boat. So you have all of the necessary pieces in a setting and you have a lot of a lot of leeway to play around with that as much as you'd have in LA or New York, except maybe mountains like in Southern California, but other than that, you know. I just don't understand how you can make a movie that is set in a restaurant or set partially in a restaurant and you, you have, it's just the whitest restaurant that's ever been. I've never like worked in the food industry, but I know enough people who have to know that, that the, the back, the back of house staff should be like 95% Hispanic and the other 5% are strung out on drugs. That's right. pretty accurate. <laughs> Spent plenty of time working in the restaurant industry and bars and sports bars, and that's pretty accurate. The blonde girl that Justin Long has Busy too much Phillips. Patron with one night. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah she she she's on Coke. Like there's no doubt. That character, not her as a person, but as a character, like <laughs> right. she's definitely on Coke. Like I mean, I'm sorry, it could be two things, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's that's what I would I would guess, but well, I guess we should do a plot summary for the uninitiated. <laughs> I tried to keep this sort of short and and as snarky unlike as possible. Movie. Unlike this movie, yeah, <laughs> yeah, unlike this two hour movie. <laughs> um, 
In Baltimore, we followed the ins and outs of love lives of several 20, 30-something bland white people, all connected in some way or another to Gigi, played by Jennifer Goodwin, who just can't seem to align her ideals and a potential partner with the people she actually dates. Uh, reinforcing her romantic confusion are all the people she interacts with. There's her sister, Janine, who's married to Ben, which only happened because she threatened to break up with him. And while Ben is kind of unhappy and he finally gives in to cheating on her, whether it be with cigarettes or some rando that he meets at a grocery store. And that rando happens to be Anna, a yoga instructor slash aspiring singer slash pre-Black Widow Scarlett Johansson, desperate to have someone like her for more than her looks or, quote, talent. There's Gigi's co-worker, Beth, who's in a long-term relationship uh, with a decent guy, Neil. That's Jennifer Anderson and Ben Affleck. But he won't commit to marriage because uh, he doesn't really like uh, the whole idea. And that causes her to break up with him before having to care for her ailing father, Chris Christopherson, who has a heart attack uh, at maybe the worst wedding reception ever. We'll talk about that. <laughs> and all the ins and outs swirl around until we finally get some resolutions here. And I've left out a few characters, but we'll get to them. Gigi confides often in Alex, the bar manager, who offers advice which she misreads as romantic interest, but it turns out Alex actually does dig Gigi, uh, though it takes him a bit to realize this. And they end up together. Janine finally figures out Ben is cheating on her because he tells her in a Home Depot, of all places. But the big thing is he's lying about his smoking behind her back, and her father died of lung cancer, so she leaves him a pack of American spirits and says, have at it. And uh, so she moves on without him. Anna, tired of being objectified and used, moves on as well, focusing on self-improvement um, over other things and uh, Beth has to care for her ailing father and sees all the chaos of her family around and no one willing to help. But Neil steps in to, you know, help her out in a tough time. And in a great reconciliation, they get married on his sailboat in the widest, richest way possible. And there's more, but you basically get the gist. And that's, he's just not that into you. And the whole premise of that book is I, I, a man, it's basically the Alex and Gigi conversations, but in a book form. It's here's everything that you hear and see that you're misreading. And then it's the female perspective of like, well, this is why I misread that. And it's sort of coming to realization about how that would work. And then when they adapted it into a screenplay, they built these characters around it. But that's how all of this stuff works. And I guess we have to start with Gigi because she is the lens of the movie in some way. And... I like Jennifer Goodwin a little bit. As we've said, she's not a terrible actress. Um, she's not entirely annoying, but her character may be the densest person on the planet that I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> Next only to Kevin Connolly, who we'll get to later, but and she does have a date with. But I don't I don't know. Like I I'm sitting there watching her sort of fumble through this like she's some sort of throwback to Howard Hawks, his girl Fridays or something. And it's just not working in this setting at all. She's just a huge spaz. Yeah, she's definitely like trying to be like the, the, the dizzy plucky dame that you would see in like a screwball comedy just yeah. with not quite as much wit or charm, which is not an indictment on her, but she's not given a lot of things to be witty about or charming about. She she definitely does she definitely has her moments but it's like those are few and far between and she's settled with one of the more obviously this is how it's going to end uh plots of the movie mm -hmm. and that that doesn't really help her much Yeah I mean there is there are some really plucky moments that she has where she's just immediately likable like the the little muffin bit in her hair when she like, comes back into the office. Like there are some really, uh, you know, very cute moments for her. I think I like, I mean, I really like her dynamic with uh, Justin Long's character. I can't think of his name now. We just Alex. said it. Yes. With Alex when they were friends, you know, and he was yeah. just like showing her the ways of the world. And she was like, yeah, he's not really even that cute. And I was like, yeah, oh, this is so nice. Look at them just being a nice platonic friendship. It is not how it's going to end, but no. a girl can dream. <laughs> if you want a platonic friend, you need to hang out with John Hodgman, I guess. 
<laughs> I I uh, will say this as the um, throughout most of my teenage years and the better part of my twenties, I was the platonic friend of all the girls I wish I could date, and I I sort of accepted that role, and I was off of the shoulder that got cried on, and I didn't I didn't have the good um, Alex comebacks for everything, and I certainly didn't have the sage wisdom that he has being a bar manager uh, and stuff, but. I thought he was fun. I like Justin Long. I even in bad movies, I always feel like he gives a pretty good performance. He's he's a fun actor, and I, you know I liked him all the way back to like Jeepers Creepers and stuff like that. Which I know that's a movie that's hard to talk about because of the people that made it or the guy that made it. But he's good in that, and he's fun. And I I just I kind of put him in that same. He's sort of uh, Kevin Smith adjacent that crowd of people you know so he, well, he was completely... in uh, a couple of kevin smith movies he he was yeah that's what i'm saying but he kind of runs in that same sort of crowd elder millennial lower uh, you know younger mm-hmm. gen x he's right there and so i i like him i think he's fun and they do have good chemistry together i'll, I'll say yeah. that like they they obviously have good banter and i don't know if they got along or not maybe they hated each other like deborah winger and richard gear and officer and a gentleman but you wouldn't know it like they they were fun together but i i wrote him down like he's you know he's kind of a know-it-all nice guy but he's kind of worthless just the same <laughs> you know and that's i don't know like i don't Look, what was to say about the guy I mean, he's just that sort of there bar is backed up like right? elbow to elbow and he's just like hang on guys i gotta take a call i was like no, no. that would <laughs> never happen <laughs> you that's probably wouldn't I- even hear the phone ring if it was really that busy is all his, that's why all his staff at the end of the movie hate him because he keeps yeah. bailing on us to talk to Jennifer Goodwin on the phone. And they're like, look, we've got eight drink orders stacked up. We're out of glasses. No. You know, cut some limes. I right. did. I did like to think of this as because Justin Long was also in waiting. And if you guys recall, at mm. the end of waiting, he was kind of doing this. What am I going to do with my life? I think this is what he did with his life. This is his, you know. This is his moment. This is what he decided to do. This is his upgrade from working in an Applebee's or whatever that well, was. Yeah, like they don't say what his story is, but I kind of feel like he was a guy that was in school and he was working his way through school like a lot of us did. He was working in a in a Chili's or an Applebee's or something like that. And at some point along the way, he either like, you know, hit the wall academically or he just said bump it and got a full-time gig. And he just, this is kind of his life, but he's worked his way in and he's, that's what makes him streetwise and all that stuff. As streetwise as you can be, again, the whitest movie ever, because (laughs) these people don't have, he's the only one that I see actually perform real work outside of Drew Barrymore, who types on a computer at one point. But I mean, like, nobody else does actual work. You see them at work, but they don't really do anything. (laughs) Um, So I'll I'll give him credit for that. He actually does, you know, work because, as Lindsay, as you well know, you have to in that. You can't stand Mm -hmm. there and talk on the phone with people. Jeez. Come uh, on, man. Yeah, right? Well, I mean, he's he's got to do something between rails off the bar, you know. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's what it is. We also have Gigi's sister, Janine, Jennifer Connelly, the Gen X wonder girl. I mean, come on. You know, everybody my age was obsessed with her, you know, growing up uh, for lots of reasons. Uh, Labyrinth being a big reason why, Mm -hmm. Um, as as on a previous episode, talked about with our friend April. Um, But I mean, I know so many people like Janine that they kind of hit a point and they just became the home renovation queen. Some of them even got TV shows for it. I didn't know. I don't know those people, but you know, she's just kind of that person. She just sort of funnels all of her energy into the appearance of what her life is supposed to be. And of course she's married to the douchebag of all time played by Bradley Cooper. Frosted um, tips, Bradley Cooper. Boy, yeah. I mean, this is like on the, the cusp glory. of wedding crashers, douchebag Bradley Cooper. This is before Which he also took place in Maryland. See, ah, good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I for you, it took me a long time to ever like Bradley Cooper in a movie because he kept doing roles like this. I was like, this guy's an asshole. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> but I... You know, watching this though this time because my memory of him was like yeah, this guy's just cheating on his wife behind his back and he he really like resists that for a little bit i'm not getting him off the hook but he doesn't completely throw himself at scarlett johansson he feels weird about it when he you know talks to her at the local fresh market or whatever the hell that is buying his uh super hipster ipa beer yep yep 
And he comes clean after it happens, very shortly after it happens. So mm-hmm. there is I, – I had a hard time figuring out if there was actual or any kind of like remorse there or if he was truly using it as an out to get out of the marriage. Like he wanted, he wanted his wife to, to be the one to say it. And then when she was like, no – we're we're gonna stick this through. You want to, right? <laughs> I mean, right. the shock on his face was. I mean, yeah, I think that would probably be a shocking reaction in that situation. But what do you? What else are you gonna do in the middle of a Home Depot? You know, <laughs> I don't know. There's lots of lumber around. <laughs> she, yeah, there's she lots of uh, <laughs> corpse burial tools you can buy. <laughs> right i'm sure you know if you gave louise guzman 100 bucks he'd look the other way while you dug a hole in the backyard he'd probably help you dig it <laughs> all right so uh, the funniest scene in the movie to me we're, we're just going to jump ahead since we just mentioned jennifer Connolly and louise guzman is when those two are having their talk uh, about midway through the movie yeah. it's like it's about trust <laughs> yeah and, and, and louise guzman is just so great at that deadpan face where he's like oh yeah no okay um, sure, lady. <laughs> He's just so good, good at that kind of like oh confused yeah. but scared. I guess. Yeah, who, who yep. am I talking to right now? <laughs> that he rolled with it though. His character mm-hmm. just rolled with it. What a great role! I do like at the end of the conversation when she realizes that she kind of Projected. went off her rocker. Yeah, <laughs> and she yeah. was like, "Hey." We're, we're good, right? We're good, Javier, you, right? We're you okay. and me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lady. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, that, but, you know, that's their <laughs> dynamic. The, 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 and the thing we should say about those characters is Janine and Ben are married because they were dating for a long time. And she basically said, like, you got to, we're either doing this or we're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about y'all. I know people that were in that exact situation and yep. none of them are still together. Because also that that not the reason to get married, you know, mm-hmm. or if they are, they struggled for a while, at least at one point. There's always exceptions but, to yeah. rules, but but I, I'm saying personally, the people I know that read yeah. that are no longer together, and it it didn't end exactly the same way, but it mm, pretty much always ended with one of them going the other direction. You yeah, know? that's because you're not friends with Jennifer Goodwin and uh, Justin Long. The <laughs> Exceptions. That's true. <laughs> I don't have people to keep me grounded. Well, yeah, they, that's the funny thing is the way these people all tie together. We'll get to the Ben Affleck and Jennifer Anderson's characters in a minute. But Janine, like we said, is Gigi's sister. So Ben is the brother-in-law. So they're obviously, they have some relationship. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's it's, um, it's weird how they all connect together here. But the the two of them, though, I'll say this, like, if they wanted us to have a couple that we were almost rooting for them to break up, they picked two people that looked like they did not get along with each other at all. And I don't know if that's true or not, but like Jennifer Connelly and Ben uh, and, and Bradley Cooper looked like they were perfectly annoyed with each other at every time they were together. And maybe that's what they were supposed to do. And if so great acting choices gang, but I, I don't know. I just, I had a hard time seeing them together because I was like, Janine seems to be such a precise person. I don't know if she won't put up with a lot of things. I don't know if she would put up with the frosted tips. Like I really had a problem with those frosted tips. I'm just yeah. <laughs> yes. They seem like polar opposites. You always see her in the same V-neck sweater in a different color with a different color button up shirt underneath it. And just very like. She's the cover of Woman's World magazine. Yes. At all times. Yeah. You know? Very organized. I bet she's incredibly organized. Well, you can yeah. see that when she lines up all of his clothes at the end of the Yeah. At the end of the staircase. When she she goes off and blows that mirror into a thousand pieces and then gets the broom and sweeps it up. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That would have been me. Like I could see myself getting and I have. I've well, not not to that extent, but like and mainly when I was younger and had less control over my emotions, but like, <laughs> I feel like I could absolutely see myself getting mad, breaking something, and then just being like, damn, now I got to clean it up. <laughs> exactly. now, now, all I can imagine is Lindsay doing the scene at the end of the room where Tommy Wiseau trashes his apartment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Lindsay is an actor. I demand you do that. So. <laughs> we gotta see. We gotta see a pick dramatic. Up, I'll get right up, on that. Yeah, pick up a get yourself a hollow, empty tube TV, <laughs> but you have to pretend like it has weight when you lift yes. it over your head to smash it. Okay. All right. Yes. I'm up to this challenge. That that yeah, it is funny to watch her completely melt down in that moment because it's the one time she cuts herself loose. She does it a little bit with Javier when she's projecting on him, as mm-hmm. we talked about, which is a funny scene. Because um, you can tell very quickly, like he doesn't realize where you know, this is coming from and he doesn't want to anymore. And she just keeps backing him up, but then she catches herself. Uh, but you know, I- I'll say this about the Bradley Cooper character, like I said before. On some way it's I can have a little bit of sympathy for it because he doesn't want to cheat on his wife. He, and I'm not saying he's, he's not at fault for this, but he, he bats it away for a little while, but then he finally gives in. And you can tell like when he makes that phone call back, like, Hey, uh, I I thought I could help you with your career after all. And it's been a few weeks or whatever. And I'm like, Oh no, Oh no, don't do that. Don't start having that conversation. And you just know it's going to go bad. Yeah, that's tough. And I feel like, uh, Scarlett Johansson at the beginning, she seems very innocent and, you know, even deep, far too deep uh, grocery store conversation, notwithstanding. But when he's like, I don't do this. And she was like, you don't help struggling singers or struggling musicians. And she just seems so innocent. And then Mm -hmm. she's like, I just really love him. And that's when I think she carries that naivety through the whole thing. We see now, she does she, that very well, but is she being naive in that moment or is that her angle? See, I'm with you, Ron. I kind of felt like that was her angle. Is it it, and that's the, that's the twist on this is that in the eighties or before she would have been the naive bubbly blonde, but in this one, she's more confident. She's in control and she uses that as her in with people and then she does what she wants. And that's why I wrote at the end. That's not the movie. Doesn't tell us that I just kind of felt like Anna was like, I'm just going to stop letting myself be used and just, I'm just going to kind of work on me for a little while, you know? And I, you know, that was good for her. Yeah. I saw it a little differently. (laughs) I I do think, I think that she is incredibly naive and green and she tried to use that as her angle but she was not successful. I do. I do feel like there's some, there's some merit to that because they do, they do, they do establish in her conversation uh, that she has with is it Jennifer Aniston. She talks to, she talks to somebody at some point. Drew Barrymore. They're Drew Barrymore. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And and she says, well, and, they, he was married for somebody for, for 13 years, and then now he's been married to the second wife for 22 years, blah, 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 blah. And so she thinks, well, if that, that can happen for them, maybe it can happen for me. And she thinks that, you know, she's really going to get somewhere with uh, Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. So it, so it's both her angle to me, and it also is a sign of her naivete that she thinks, you know, that she's the exception to the rule, which ties us back to basically the rest of this movie. Yeah. Right. I I can I can pull him away from her, and then you know he'll be with me forever. But Bradley Cooper also needs to work on himself. Look, (laughs) if if he's stuck with her through the whole thing where she got addicted to heroin, then he'll stick around for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bradley Cooper is this sort of again cross section of. hipster Gen X elder millennial thing. I mean, all of again, I, I picked on his beer choices. He smokes American spirit cigarettes. I mean, that's a <laughs> can we, very specific brand. Okay. Can we talk about the American spirit cigarettes? Can we talk about sure. my wife's comment was like, I wonder how much they paid to be a part of this. And you could still do that in the two thousands. But anyway, no, here, no, Amer- number one, American spirit did not pay anybody anything for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, number two, did he used to be like a, a homeless punk rock kid or something? Did he used to have like some? No, he was the, no, he was from SLC punks. He was the homeless punk rock kid whose dad paid for him to go to Harvard, and he was like, "I'm going to oh. fix the system from the inside." I bet that's. I bet oh, that's that makes sense. Character. Also, we should I, watch SLC punk for. I agree. Punk yeah, I had that. a whole. I had a whole other backstory for him, y'all. <clears throat> He went to like UMass or something like that. 
and he was in a replacements cover band. BU. I bet he went to BU. There you go. It's something like that. And he's in a replacements cover band and liked the Goo Goo Dolls before Johnny Resnick became a woman. And you know, he said stuff like that. And he, he was into that. And then he stumbled around and had like a 3.9 GPA in economics or something. It was like, eh, guess I'll go to law school. And he ended up doing that. And he just fell into this you know, sort of yuppie lifestyle. Uh, but he's, it, that's how he rebels is with his cheap ass mm. cigarettes. Um, now, do you think, it, do you, do you think it was a replacements cover band? Or do you think it was like Jonathan Richmond and the modern lovers cover band? Well, you know, either I, yeah, that's a good point, but I, I kind of went with replacements just because of, I sort of equated him to Paul Rudd's character in knocked up and uh, this is 40, you know, he uh, sort of comes across um, some of the same way, but Paul Rudd's way more likable. He clearly is an attorney, but he's not in like a stuffy attorney world, but like contracts or something, financy. There's a lot of sports teams around. Maybe he did something like that because he's got friends that do music, you know, work. And so he clearly does something that's, quote, cool, you know, but he makes a yeah, ton of money at it. Because, I mean, that's some nice suits he's got in that closet. Yeah, he's like entertainment law or contract law or some sort of uh, nefarious entertainment industry. When when it comes to Ben, we're supposed to feel sympathy for him, but it's just hard to because he does make the worst choices ever, and he deserves to wind up alone. And you kind of see that on his face, though. I'll give I don't know if Bradley Cooper did that on purpose or if they told him to do that, but you kind of see it at the end when he's behind the pretty girl at the grocery store, and he's like, "I ain't saying nothing to this one." He's like, "I'm just gonna buy my beer and go home." He is happily alone. Well, or at least contentedly, I would say. Like he's, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like at least most of the characters end up right where they want to be, whether they knew it or not by the end of the movie, which is the nice rom-com style. You know, everything's wrapped up in a nice tidy little bow. Yeah. He didn't look especially happy, but I, I feel like maybe he needs some alone time. Mm-hmm. To to learn, you know, to be better for his next ex wife, right? Exactly. Or figure out who he is. You know, I don't think he. I mean, he even says something like that at one point to Ben Affleck when they're talking on the boat. You know, mm-hmm. and that brings us to Neil and Beth, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Aniston, yeah. who I was convinced they had dated at one point, but upon the googling uh, before the show, nope, they're just friends. And at this point, I think he was married to Jennifer Garner. You guys told me so. They do um, have such great on-screen chemistry, though. They really, I, I, I thought they yeah. did. Yeah, they are the most of all of these couples. They seem to be the most real one. <laughs> they mm-hmm. remind me of a lot of friends who I who are still married and, and have been together for years. And you look at them and you go like, how does that work? Because she's so put together and has all of her crap going. And he just seems like he wears cargo pants. I don't know what he does what for he a living. What does he do? Yeah, exactly. I, my guess was day trader. I don't know, Rod. It's insurance scam. What do you got? I don't know. <laughs> my my thought was uh, he is one of those people who operates his boat as a quote unquote fishing boat and collects all the government subsidies without actually having to fish. <laughs> so basically, he he's a con artist. Alternately, he made it big with a comic book in the '90s about his uh, his uh, brief foray with a lesbian woman. And then he wrote Blunt Man and Chronic. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That, he, but first he does he went, so, either, but first he went to he, the school and school ties. There you go. Right. Well, I, I wrote it off as like he just came from money and he just sort of hedge funds. He like just keeps it alive. But he's just kind of a uh, like this was the dude that was in school with Bradley Cooper. <laughs> and maybe they were, but he was he graduated with the one point nine. You know, from Ole Miss or something like he just barely got out. You know, D's but, get degrees. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he he skated through on that last one, but whatever, because he met Beth, and they are really good together. And I attribute a lot of that to the fact that Ben Affleck knows how to play just an affable dude, because I think he's just an affable dude. That kind of seems to be what he is. Uh, and Jennifer Aniston is is a really fun actor. She 
plays she plays the same thing all the damn time. That's the the difference. She uh, she's stretched a few times in her career, but most of the time she plays the same person. But she's really good at it, and she's fun. And it's funny to me to see her because I didn't watch Friends. I know this is a big shock to everyone. That was not a show I cared anything for. So I don't know her from that. I know her from the bad movie choices she's made, starting with <laughs> Leprechaun. <laughs> and so I, you know, I know her from that. And so I'm like, well, boy, she really turned into a great actor. Good for her. But I, I like them as a couple and as characters because, like I said, they seem to be the most real. And she seems to be the one that everybody's walking on eggshells around. And if they just would like stop talking about it, she would be okay. Like she's getting her sister's wedding together and they're talking about like it had to be done. And, you know, marriage is forever. And she's like, mm, okay, thanks. I'm not married, but gee, appreciate that. You know, it's, she feels like she's. She doesn't want to feel like she's left behind, but everybody's telling her she's missing out on something, right? And she's really not. Yeah. She's not because my cousin and her boyfriend have been together for like 40-something years at this point, and they're never going to get married. And Mm -hmm. they they seem fairly happy. Or at least they're still together, I guess. Who knows how happy (laughs) people are, but, you know. I mean, yeah. Now, here's the thing about Jennifer Aniston. She does play a very, she does play the same kind of character all the time, but she, like you said, she is really good at it. And it feels very natural, like a very natural companion to the Ben Affleck character because they feel like they balance each other much better than all these people who are married in this movie Mm -hmm. and all these people who are dating in this movie who all seem like just absolutely terrible matches for each other. Cause like uh, she, uh, she has her nebulous job at the blade. He does his uh, drug running or whatever his deal is. <laughs> <laughs> Rescuing <laughs> hostages with the boat. That's what he's doing. That boat is <laughs> loaded down with cocaine, Jay, and we all know it. <laughs> he, and him and Mickey Monday his, are buddies. Yeah. He's the one who smuggled those American spirits to, to Bradley Cooper's character. Those are <laughs> like stolen cigarettes that fell off the back of a freighter. No, he he did what what Beverly Hills Cop, the initial setup for Axel Foley was. He robbed a cigarette truck and restole them. <laughs> Tax stamp. You can't get no more legit than that. That's that's Ben Affleck. No, this is all he he made all his money robbing banks in Boston and bought that boat. That that also is true. Yeah, we're just going to tie it back to everything Ben Affleck's ever done. But yeah, those two have really good chemistry, and I always feel like. I'm never really sure what it is about Jennifer Aniston that has prevented her from becoming like the huge movie star that she probably should be. And I don't know if it's because she is fairly one note. She's good at the one note she does, but you know, it's like a, she's like a baseball pitcher who can go out and throw 103 mile an hour fastball throw like an 85 mile an hour, like change up, but has like one has no other pitches. I think it's because she has a face that doesn't transition well. I mean, I'm sure it would transition beautifully to anything. She'll always be beautiful. And I think that is the thing. So like some actors have these faces that you put a pair of glasses on them, like Clark Kent, and they look like a totally different person. Or Drew you dye their in yeah. This movie. yeah. Or you dye their hair or they lose twenty pounds or you change their outfits or whatever and they can embody this entire other thing and you believe it because they're so good at like looking like somebody else and I don't think especially at this point I don't think anyone would ever see Jennifer Aniston as anyone other than Jennifer Aniston and she's very good at being Jennifer Aniston that's what the people want do you think it's because she is like the most famous person in this movie by a country mile? Like she's literally the most, she's the most famous person in this movie. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Drew Barrymore yeah. was a superstar, but people have watched Drew Barrymore from a small child grow up to an adult. There's been a lot mm-hmm. of different stages of Drew Barrymore where you've been able to be like, Oh, this is what Drew Barrymore is doing now. This is how she's changed from the last time we saw her. Jennifer Aniston is like, I did leprechaun. Now I'm doing friends. I'm 24 years old. I'm the most famous person on the planet. I'm going to be on this TV show 24 episodes a year for 10 years. Just deal with my face. And my, my haircut is going to change the way American women dress for decades. Like it's true. I mean, that's a mess with perfection. 
I, mean, I think you hit it, Lindsay, is that she, I think she knows what she plays well and she got typecast. And at some point she just said, you know what? I'm just going to steer into that mm-hmm. because I'm getting work. And let's be honest. Once you hit 32 as a woman in Hollywood, if you're still getting work, sign up, you know, because it doesn't happen. I mean, it's, and she's it's unfair, but yeah. Still getting work. Yeah. At, I think mm-hmm. she's 50 now in her fifties. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, there are jobs for actresses who are over the age of 30 are quickly expanding and mm-hmm. rightly Thankfully. so, but yeah, but, um, yeah. But I mean, well, not only that, but she's expanded her portfolio too. I think she was like CMO of something or something of like vital proteins. You know, she's like, yeah, she's smart cookie. She's she, she's doing. She thing. hired a really good accountant somewhere along the way, and she leaned into, oh, I'm going to make this last. And well, let's not did. lie, syndication money is real, y'all. Like that that friends check coming in every quarter is pretty nice. Oh, so. and she's from an acting family. Her dad was an actor mm-hmm. on like. John Anderson, he did like soap operas and stuff, right? Or he does soap yeah, operas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she she knows that like the good thing about being typecast is you will always be able to eat. Yeah, you always yeah. get work. That's yeah. True. yeah. You're never gonna you're never you're never gonna sit around for too long unless you just want to. And she hasn't wanted to, and you know, more power to her. I just saw her like selling collagen on a commercial. Mm-hmm. Like that's the company that she's you, you on the, the sea level the board into for. the water yep. and you drink it. And I was like, well, yeah, for Jennifer Aniston, maybe I should try it. Well, maybe it'll she make marketed for a vino for a while, which is perfect for her. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she's, she's good at marketing herself and picking products that she markets for. Well, think about everybody in this movie that we named. They kind of all fit that category. Jennifer Goodwin figured out what sort of niche she fell in. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Connolly's always played that sort of likable douchebag friend, you know, and that's what <laughs> he is. Justin Long is always Justin Long. Justin Long is always the I'm wiser than I look, but I'm really a bum. Whether you know, he's the in Jeepers Creepers or the Apple guy. Remember when he was the Apple <laughs> right, guy? He was the Apple guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's still doing those from here. And then Drew Barrymore was the girl next door that became the cokehead next door that became the girl that got murdered at Scream. That then you know had a, then became a, this rock star producer. That then became a rom com favorite with Adam Sandler. And then she just did whatever the hell she wanted, which is what she does now. Jennifer yeah, Connelly was again what, the Gen X dream girl who turned into a really good actress, and you and, know, and the thing just did that her is that Jennifer Connelly because I'm actively watching Snowpiercer as we record this, and I'll, my mm-hmm. reviews are up at Den of Geeks, so plug for that. She was on the first two seasons of Snowpiercer, and she played the I have it together on the outside, but on the inside, I'm breaking apart because of the stress of my situation so well throughout that show. And that's one of the things she does really well in this movie. And I'm watching and I'm like, you know, she's really she's good at the the everything's fine, except in my eyes. You can see how scared I am and how my world is ruined in my eyes. And that's the that's the thing she does so well and that she's become so good at like as an adult actress rather than as, you know, the teenage actress or whatever. And I mean, go back to labyrinth. That's the same character. Yeah. She's that's the, the same, same kind of thing. In that. thing. And that's, that's really not easy to do. And I feel like she's got the least, like she's got the least good role in this ensemble or the, mm-hmm. the role that gives her the least amount of comedy. But, when she gets her when she gets her scenes like with the scene with Louis Guzman or when she has her meltdowns she just she gives it socks in a way that i think some people couldn't yeah cuz she could come off like a total shrew even though she's right to do so but because Jennifer Connelly has like soul in her performance you you feel for her like you really just like you want to like buy Janine a drink and just say, just let it all out, girl. Mm-hmm. Just l- what's happening. You know, she needs to go to Justin Long's bar and <laughs> demand three martinis and go, let me tell you about my life. Ah, and that's what this movie's missing is that see? scene right there. Yep. Yeah. I, well, no, let, let's not make this movie any longer. <laughs> well, I mean, we can cut out a couple of other scenes. I'm not saying, you know, we couldn't right. trade off here, but. Yeah. I'll say now, like I, I think, 
as cute as it is, the way Kevin Conley and Drew Barrymore end up together, because she's his ad maker for his real estate business, and they end up meet cuting at a restaurant at the end or whatever. Um, and I'm not so sure she didn't just stalk him there, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You could cut them from this movie. They didn't even have to exist, and I think you'd be fine. Like It also would cut 15 minutes off the runtime, which I would be okay with. Because you could just have some other loser friend that Justin Long you know, knows that tried to go out with Jennifer Goodwin and ghosted her. Like it doesn't need to be him. Drew Barrymore's character is probably one of my favorites in the whole movie. So I did appreciate her being there just (laughs) if for no other reason than a little like adorable comic relief. But I think Connelly's character served to show how young or naive. I don't know how we want to say that Scarlett Johansson was, Because she's clearly just like using him to make her feel good about herself. And so I think he adds a little bit more insight into her character. Would the movie have been still the movie without him? Yeah, sure. I I can't disagree with that, but I think that was his purpose. He is, he over compliments her in an attempt to try to sleep with her again because they hooked up once at a party or something and he's just obsessed with her. But for her, it was just, you know, a thing. And he's like, oh, I really liked you. And then, you know, they, they date and, but uh, she can't, she's not ready to commit. She didn't want to do all that mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, but at least she told him, you know, and so he's like, okay, well, that better know now than later. And so then he ends up with, you know, hanging out with Drew Barrymore, which is mm-hmm. cute. Well, to, to, to steal a, a quote from the famous M. Bison, for Kevin Connolly, the night he hooked up with Scarlett Johansson was the most important day in his life. For her, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> right. There you go. That's, that's, that is probably a very accurate way of describing it. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So the, we talked about like the rom-com way that everything resolves. And I, I, I want to come back to Beth and Neil, the Jennifer Aniston and, and, and uh, Ben Affleck characters, because I, again, I said, I felt like they were the most real people. And when she breaks up with him and then her dad, Chris Christopherson, who also just plays the same person all the time, um, no matter what he's in vampire movie, whatever, I'm just the crotchety old guy. Um, so but I wrote a lot of songs you like kids or your parents do, but whatever. Um, so yeah. He, kids want to, while we're giving out advice to the kids, uh, listen to Sunday morning coming down. There you go. Thank you very much. I, I agree with that. So you know, dad's dad and he's had a heart attack. And so she goes and does, you know, what you do, you take care of dad and like the family's there, but her sisters are kind of worthless. Her brother and brother-in-law are just sort of bums. And like, she sort of sees like, I had a really good life and I let all of you morons talk me out of it. And I hate you all for it. And she, mm-hmm. you can tell she's frustrated and it, it's a, and you know, I don't get too sentimental anymore cause I'm old, but I I thought it was a real sweet moment when she walks in the kitchen and it's no longer a disaster because Ben Affleck's washing the dishes and he's filled the fridge with groceries and he didn't have to because it's your dad. I was with you for seven years. And as he tells her, I'm the same as I was the day you left me. I, I still care about you and you need help. And I came to help. And I, I just really dug that moment. I also love his line where he goes, I got stuff that your dad likes, but I got some healthy stuff too, which really drove home <laughs> the fact that he really knows her dad almost, I mean, as well as he possibly could, you know, at that mm-hmm. point, which is, which is just really sweet and clearly knows him way better than any of her other in-laws. I feel like Ben Affleck's really good at playing the likable bro that we've talked about. Mm, yeah, and, he's a likable bro. And this is the part of the movie where that really comes through the most. It's like, he doesn't have to do these nice things, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, does he spend a lot of time on his boat? Sure. you got to keep the cocaine money coming in. Does he wear <laughs> ridiculously <laughs> terrible cargo pants that were bad even in 2009? Yeah, but, so you know. He's still he's, bad he, now. He's yeah. Ben Affleck. That's what Ben Affleck does. If you white, you Ben yeah. Affleck, mm-hmm. as they say. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> can we do role models next let's do there we that. go right i, I kind of want to do role models next because it feels like kinda, the, the inverse of this movie like i yeah. love that movie. Of this movie. So, so good you what yeah. you ben affleck that's true though mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah i really I, and i think that's one of the things that makes this character feel the most grounded because 
he is, you know, he's not just a one-dimensional douche bro. He's not trying to be something he's not. He's just like, you know, this, I don't want to get married. This, but we can be together. This is me. And then he, I, I, the one thing I don't like is I don't like the fact that he comes around and decides to get married to Jennifer Aniston after all. But I also feel like, you know, if it's important to her, then he would just kind of shrug his shoulders and go along with it. You, you know this, Ron, Liz, you do too. You've been with long relationships. All this. You do things for your significant other just because it's important to them. You know, you, you, if it's a sacrifice for you, then okay. You know, like I, if I could, and I couldn't grow it as long as everybody could see Ron's wonderful beard here, I would have facial hair forever. But my wife hates it and she hates it on me. And so if I ever grow it out for a couple of weeks, it's coming off pretty quick. Why? Because I don't Rachel didn't dig it. So, okay. That's a small thing. And it's not nearly on the level of what Ben Affleck does here, but I appreciate that sentiment just the same. Cause you do that. You, you do things for your significant other because it's important to them. I think he did it for the cargo pants. <laughs> you didn't get to can't. keep those yeah, now, no now she can't throw them out because they're yeah. an important part of their relationship <laughs> they were the they were the pants that held the ring <laughs> now to me throw it into it would Mordor. Be like, <laughs> to, <laughs> to me it would be completely a win as if at the end of the movie, when they're getting married, he's wearing those ratty ass cargo pants. Oh, that would have been perfect. Yes, <laughs> he should have had that suit yeah. up with those pants on. They messed that up by not yep. having that. So. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is it is the resolve that you want. The big rom com resolve. Everybody kind of gets what they want, you know, or what they deserve. You, you should say in this case. And I I do like though that it's not all clean and easy. Like you know, Anna and and the Ben character have to be alone they they got to be alone you know both of them need it and definitely not with each other and it looks like he's at least sort of learning his lesson because he doesn't talk to that woman in front of him at the at the store and janine is moving on and learning she doesn't have to be somebody's wife to be happy and she's hanging up a new mirror that she hopefully won't smash i kind of wanted her and javier to date like i wanted to see them out like on a date like i thought that would have been that would have been adorable odd very odd (laughs) matchup I like her resolve at the end. I do mm-hmm. like the mirror hanging. I thought that was nice. Like she yeah. finally, it almost, she looks like a weight has been lifted off of her shoulders when she does that. So goes back to her, her yeah. acting a, chops. That's another thing that Jennifer Connelly is always really good at that moment of being, feeling relief and being able to like, Oh, she communicates that really well. But yeah, I, I think Javier would have run away. no i'll cash your check but i'm done yeah uh, that's yeah you can imagine what that was (laughs) i can only imagine how 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 much of a terror she was during the whole renovation process to that poor man oh you know uh come on having had people in my house for like a year (laughs) working on stuff to to do redo a couple of bedrooms in the upstairs bathroom and me even being out of their hair as much as i could and still being frustrated with the whole process. I can't imagine how someone that hands-on about the whole thing would have been to that poor man. It's frustrating. Well, I mean, she, she's always talking about like the towel's too small. We've got to change the towel. You know, she's always doing something. She's, yeah. she, and she's clearly throwing herself into it because she is at her core unhappy with, I think. Well, you know, we, we didn't talk about their big out. scene. Like her and her husband are not, they're not intimate with each other. So she goes to his mm-hmm. office to surprise him and he's in there banging Scarlett Johansson, who he throws yeah. in a closet so he can bang his wife. I'm like, oh my god, that's that's when you really turn on the Bradley Cooper character. Like you're yeah. a piece of garbage. Like and I hate you. Scarlett Johansson calls him something along those mm-hmm. lines. A sorry yeah. excuse for a man, I think, is what she says, something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, yeah, in that moment, as and I knew what what was going to happen because I've seen the movie before. And in that moment, I was like. They had plenty of time for her to put a dress on and just walk out, you know, and just be like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, this is a client of mine. She's X, Y, Z, you know, stupid locks, you know, like easily could have been avoided. Wouldn't have helped as a plot device, but it easily could have been that whole situation. Well, and and I also feel like this movie has a real issue with uh, continuity, especially um, especially the shots of the outside. 
I don't know if you've noticed, but quite a few scenes will start in the daytime and end at night. Yeah. <laughs> throughout this movie. And so it gives yeah, us yeah. this weird nebulous dream quality where you're not really sure what time of day it is. I feel like there's probably a three and a half hour cut of this somewhere. Oh, there, there. 100% <laughs> is like the three hour extended uh, uh, Ridley Scott director's cut version of this <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, this there. is before Bradley Cooper becomes a raccoon and yeah. goes off the space. It's, with it's before he becomes very much more likable. Mm-hmm. This is when he was playing the, the awful douche bro that you hated. Like he had made a career out of that. And I kind of felt like he was just always going to be that until he started doing, you know, it, he was likable in the hangover. And then that yeah. sort of turned it around for him, you know. <laughs> but he was also kind of a douche bro in The Hangover. But, he but was, but he was, but he's still likable because he's trying to keep his friends from doing something even dumber. Yeah, you know, which is the amazing part. But you got that. But it, it does all you wind up. Drew Barrymore decides to stop, you know, tr- looking too hard or trying too hard and just be herself. And she, you know, she hits on the cute guy that she's built ads for. Okay, so there's that. And then, as we said, Gigi confesses to Alex and tries to make out with him after she she co-hosts the party with him that was so funny and that was, that was so some good comedy in that. yeah and and then he but like his realization of like oh shit i do like her and it, when he's talking to busy phillips like yeah yeah you talk about her all the time dude like you really should go and and again you know i i i've seen that happen and had that conversation with a friend like dude you talk about this girl that you don't like all the time are you sure you don't like her and mm, come to find out. Mm-hmm. But I love I how he runs up to her, you know, they have a cute, and then they do have kind of a cute ending where they're playing categories and she's making dip or some nonsense at his apartment. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, I yeah. mean, it, it's okay. But the, the, the crescendo is Beth and Neil getting married on that boat, but I'd still wish Neil had kept the cargo pants. That would, that would have been perfect. Just the cherry on top. Yeah. But that would have made the movie like, another 15 minutes longer <laughs> this is true it didn't need to be longer fair point and neither does this podcast so we're at the part of the <laughs> show where it's time to give final thoughts recommendations and popcorn ratings so what are yours for he's just not that into you Lindsay. sorry can you say that again dog was barking and i was trying to oh sure so we're at the part of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts recommendations and popcorn ratings so what are yours for he's just not that into you Lindsay. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's still, I mean, it's still a cute movie, a long one. It's, it's a rom-com. That's <laughs> pretty much all I have to say about it. <laughs> it was, it was really nice. And honestly, even Brian was like, it's really nice that I recognize all of these actors. And so that part about it was, was really fun. Continu- continuity issues notwithstanding, length issues notwithstanding, I'd give it a medium. I mean, I think as a date night, I think it's better as like a ladies' night rom-com than a date night rom-com in my personal opinion. But I'm going to stick with a medium popcorn on that. No frills really. Just when you order a medium, that's what you get. A little bit of butter, a little bit of salt. Right. I've thought about it for quite a, uh, a bit because, like Lindsay said, I do love uh, the fact that I recognize pretty much everyone in this movie. And I got a kick out of seeing, like, when Natasha Legero showed up to do, like, one little take to camera for, like, a little five-minute scene. That was great. And, you know, it was the soundtrack of this movie is incredible. The soundtrack yes. is, like, it opens with a great My Morning Jacket song. And, yeah. and the songs only stay on that level or improve because you do get the replacements. You do get some Wilco how did you great not get Black the, Crow song? By the, the way, by great your Black Crow song. How did you not get the old ninety sevens in here? Uh, please, thank you. Yes. You know, well, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I maybe it's because I'm not a rom com guy. Maybe it's because I'm not especially a Jennifer Aniston dude. Um, but I can only go with a small popcorn. But it would be a good small popcorn, like with the butter and the salt and some of that flavor powder that you get, the big Ooh. thing that's just MSG, yeah. but that yeah. tastes different so you can get some like dill pickle popcorn or some spicy popcorn or what have you. So, Cheddar but bacon. yeah, so it's a small popcorn, but it's a good small popcorn. It's not necessarily my thing, but there's a lot of stuff in this movie I like. I just would have liked it more if the movie had been 90 minutes rather than 210. But uh, yeah, small yeah. popcorn. I kind of would have dug this if it had been 
like one or two seasons of a 30 minute television show and you stretch it out like all the mm-hmm. story. I feel like everybody gets a little short shrifted because there's so many dang people in this movie. And you know, I said who I think we could cut, you could cut more, but the, the real, like the Gigi story is kind of the funny part of it. And she, she is supposed to be our lens or whatever, because she's the one that gets all the, you know, exposition to from uh, Alex, from Justin Long, but it's really centered around those two couples, Neil and Beth and Janine and Ben and one completely falling apart and the other one sort of forcing itself apart, but then realizing like, what are we doing? We just have to listen to everybody else. And they're the, they're the part you should pay attention to. If you're going to take anything from this movie, as far as ensemble movies go, this one's by far way more watchable than all those other ones. I've seen new year's Eve. I've seen Valentine's day, all those other, ones, I'm sorry. Like there, you can't follow them. There's too many dang people in them. Uh, it's almost like watching a parody movie, you know, like vampire suck or whatever, you know, one of those kind of things. Everything trying to knock off the airplane movies, which nobody will ever touch. And as far as rom-coms go, and I mean, I'll go back as the one that's got the longest history with them here on this show. It ranks pretty behind most of those, but it's not terrible. It's definitely watchable. I'm going to give this a medium popcorn, but a very specific kind of medium popcorn. This is one of those like candy flavored medium popcorns that you get at the mall or at the fair. Like you know, the it's zebra like, striped stuff. Either that or it's maybe not even zebra striped. Cause I don't think this is worthy of chocolate and white chocolate. It's more of like <laughs> where it's got like the strawberry sugar on it or something. And you're like, this sounds like a great idea. And you get halfway through and you're like, this is a horrendous idea, but you finish it cause you have to, and it's, there's too much of it. So it's, it's a flavored medium popcorn that lasts a little longer than it should but it's not the worst thing on earth and it's passable enough and it was fun to go back to it with you guys as we sort of revisit those roots here on film strip and it's valentine's day to do something you know we've done the ironic valentine's day uh, version where we do some you know trashy horror movie or or something else basic instinct something like that so you know it was nice to do one that actually fit the holiday for once uh don't expect that again folks because it's only total happenstance that this worked out that way uh but as we say it's it's fun so medium flavorish popcorn and there there it is you know it, it, it's done but it was a lot of fun talking about it with you guys as always ron tell folks about all the cool stuff you got going on at den of geek well like i've mentioned in this review i'm doing Snowpiercer, the third season it is back and colder than ever sean bean is there and he's just in full sean bean mode uh david diggs uh famous from being the best person in hamilton is also a great uh Great stand-in for a film noir type detective in this sci-fi future train uh, drama. Um, Jennifer Connelly was a big part of the first two seasons. Uh, she may or may not be dead. Um, spoiler. Uh, but also, since I don't really know what's happening with her, I, it's not really a spoiler either. But uh, between that and The Walking Dead coming back for the latter half, the second of three parts of its final season, uh, it's a pretty big... Uh, pretty busy you know february march april for your boy ron over at den of geek awesome make sure you're checking that out and as always folks you can follow the show social media at filmstrip pod on twitter instagram facebook and search for us on any of your podcatchers filmstrippodcast.com will take you to the anchor distribution site where you can find all those things and share it with others too because it helps other people find the show so until next time for Lindsay and ron i'm jay thank you for listening to this episode of filmstrip thank you for listening to filmstrip You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.